All right, friends, Zig coming in on top. Today on the show, we have Elena Arthur. She is a singer-songwriter from Columbus, Ohio, who is 17 years old. And this is amazing, because I think back to when I was 17. I just met Cody maybe a year or two ago, and we were trying to figure out how to make a band work. I don't, not even then, we wouldn't have been doing uh, aberration stuff, trying to figure out how to how to play play our own songs at Mike Nights. And she's doing that. But she's also recording her own stuff and going around doing her own press, booking her own out-of-town shows, looking for a career direction in music. That's insane. It's really, really cool. Um, she has, before we get into it, we're going to plug what she's got coming up. She's got, in September, on the 9th, she's coming out with a new single on all streaming platforms. And then in October, there is a new album coming out. In October, Elena has a new record. Um but yeah, this is incredible on on two ends because I'm looking at it as a, a music teacher and I work with kids her age. And like that's like the super student you want to have. You want to like show them how to put together some chords so they're out there recording their own records and doing the their own DIY route to self-expression. And the best part about what she's doing is she's leading the way for so many other girls who want to be singer-songwriters or want to be musicians. Just by her doing it, she's showing it's possible. So, in this interview, I do my best not to sound like a like an old person talking to a young person. Yeah, tell me about you. Tell me about your social medias, kid. But uh, there may be some times it might sound like that. I don't think so. I think I'm pretty hip. But you may be the, you may be screaming out of your uh, out of the speakers right now, um, arguing that. Because a lot of the a lot of times, you know, on the show we talk to uh, musicians that are a little bit older, and like so it was super refreshing to have a whole new perspective. Before we get into it, we're going to listen to one of Elena's songs. Here's You Would Wait. We ended it sealed with a kiss for old Sam's sake. I told you that I needed time and you told me you would wait. I saved all of the letters that you saved all of our love. So why did you just throw it out like you had to run? So why this word come about you kissing girls all over town while I'm trying to improve for you? So why does word come to me? You've had three girls in your backseat while I'm trying to work on me. So tell your friends that I'm a psycho. Tell your friends that I'm lame and maybe it's been to blame. Well, I'm trying to improve for you So why does word come 
you would wait, Elena Arthur. What I find so inspiring isn't isn't the age. It isn't like, oh, here's a kid doing a thing or a seventeen year old person doing a thing. What I think it's what I, what I find so inspirational is the dedication to it, because even if you take the same idea and apply it to someone who's ninety nine and is still actively chasing what they want to do, it's the same type of inspiration. So I don't think I don't think the number or the the youth of someone should define like why we're looking at it, but the drive that this person has, and that's what's infectious. Be it seventeen, ninety nine doesn't matter the number if someone's driven and you get to witness that and the the outliers right make it more clear but there is equally as many in the middle and that drives what's infectious and what's so inspiring so with that being said here's uh my interview with elena dig it awesome well how'd you how'd you come across my uh my podcast so i was kind of just like googling like different music-based podcasts that are focusing on like local musicians and I've talked a lot about like the Columbus music scene and so I was like I'm still in high school so I've been thinking about where to kind of locate myself after high school and so I was kind of looking at podcasts in Cincinnati and podcasts in Cleveland and in doing so I discovered yours cool cool what are you thinking? What are you thinking about locating yourself after high school? Are you thinking about going to a, a college for music or just kind of um, locating to a new scene? I don't think I'll be attending university for co- or for music. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go to community college and just do a degree in marketing. Okay. Um, but because that'll be online, I can really do it from anywhere. So right. I've been looking a little bit at the music scene in Ohio city. So I can still be close to home. So Cincinnati and Cleveland, but I've also been looking at moving down to Nashville or potentially like the Orlando area. So there's been a lot to consider for sure. Definitely. I think that, well, that speaks miles because like even just looking into podcasts and trying to get a grasp of what, what scenes are like around you that's showing your marketing, <laughs> uh, marketing, yeah. like, uh, uh, at least, uh, uh start, uh, uh, knowledge <laughs> to dive into it. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. I just, I want to make sure that anywhere I do locate myself, it's a good environment, like city wise and community wise and people wise, but that the music scene is also very strong and very supportive. Um, now before I, I hate to do a sales pitch for Cleveland, but, before I do, what 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 has like, was have you what's Nashville been like? Have you looked into it at all, or what's a uh, um my not Miami uh, Orlando been like? Um, with Orlando, I was looking because before music started to like pick up a little bit, my original plan was to go to UCF. Okay. And so, I haven't. That's like probably the one that I haven't researched as much. But with Nashville, it's probably between like. Nashville and like Cincinnati and Cleveland right now. Okay. Have you played gigs in each uh each city that you've been looking into moving to or Um I've been trying to play more gigs in like I'm playing a gig in Cincinnati coming up and then I'm also playing a gig in Erie, Pennsylvania coming up. Okay. So hopefully I'll schedule something soon for Cleveland. Nice. Yeah, I haven't made it out to Cincy like my bass player and his other group has and like I've been trying. It's weird. Like when you book out of town, it's really hard to like 
get the in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But as soon as you do, and as soon as you like go there and you meet somebody, they're like, oh, it's Elena. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I got a bill you'll be good for. And like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's super interesting, like how much, once you get one bite, how easy it starts to be. But until then, it's impossible because you're just sending emails to like venues and people. And yeah, oh my gosh. There's probably like a million emails a day that I send. But that is so badass because you're doing it at your age. Like when I was your age, I was still like trying to figure out how to put songs together. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I definitely got the one up because I feel like I started on it really early. Like I started performing live when I was 11. Wow. So it's I, I feel lucky that I was able to decide like this is what I want to do like so young because it definitely is like an advantage. Did you uh, is there music in the family? um not really my dad played in a lot of bands in like high school but none were like especially serious or anything so he's been able to teach me about like i guess a little bit about like how to play the instruments that i do but not really on the marketing side and like the booking side right well even you know even if he could it would be completely different because like yeah just how how you how you market your show is way different than before. It'd be like $20 in paper flyers and a day that is yeah. stapled to the wall. Now it's $20 no. in like internet ads, which is easier. Yeah, no, definitely. And he was born and raised in North Carolina. And so oh. even looking state by state and city by city, there's a lot of differences in the music scenes like everywhere. Have you played in North Carolina? Do you go back for family and like... Um, I haven't. I do. I play a little bit in like Pennsylvania because that's where like the family is relocated to. Okay. But I haven't done any shows in the South yet. Okay. Where at in PA? Erie. Erie. Okay. That makes sense (laughs) why you're playing in Erie. All right. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Cool. Cool. But yeah. Okay. Cool. And like, so now it's not just guitar, right? Yeah. So I play guitar and then recently I've picked up some bass um as well as trying to pick up a little bit of piano okay but did you start on guitar then yeah i started playing guitar when i was seven gotcha wow that's awesome like what were you trying to figure out at seven honestly not much i was not too (laughs) great at it (laughs) i kind of so my school had like a little like guitar club where every elementary schooler got like a cheap like 30 dollar guitar from amazon And we all like were kind of taught by our music teacher and I was talking to my dad about it and I was like, this is really cool. I like playing guitar. And so he got me just like maybe like a $50 guitar instead of a $30 guitar. And from there, like I played that until I started playing live shows when I was 11. So I guess from like eight to 11 were kind of like my learning years with guitar. What was the hardest thing to figure out at first? Was it how to hold it? Was it how like how to make melodies with it i think the hardest thing was for me that i still struggle with a little bit was like strumming patterns because uh, i mean most pop songs and most songs that i was looking to play when i was like a kid were you know pretty basic like it's like your cga minor for pretty much everything but the thing that differentiates (laughs) all those songs is the strumming pattern and so it was kind of hard to kind of like get into the groove of that and learn that every single song has a unique way that you need to play it Okay, so it's it the kind of putting two and two together. Yeah, um, yeah. That makes sense. It's interesting because, like, uh, as a person who teaches guitar to 
um, younger kids and older people, like everyone has like a, a hurdle and like it's interesting what it is. So and I, that A and B, like uh, it, they, well, eventually it plays together really well and you don't think about it. But at first it's a lot to comprehend. Like you're putting this hand doing this and that. And like yeah. uh, even just to hold down the chords, that's where most people kind of give up. You know, I've recently started teaching some guitar lessons to kids, and yeah. one of the things that I've noticed a lot is like a lot of people struggle with just like pressing down hard enough and getting right. the hang of switching between chords. And I feel like that came pretty naturally, and like the strumming was what kind of was difficult. So okay. I feel like everybody, like what you were saying, does have like a very unique like struggle or hurdle to pass now what do you what have you done for your um, students to help them kind of like get past holding down like yeah it's gonna hurt but like what's been your kind of like work around to get them to actually hold the note down because i noticed that a lot too like either uh, students will like hold it like where their fingers kind of on the fret and they get like this sound or like the, the yeah. note doesn't come out and they're like i can't do this and you're like you go over, the, you move their finger and hold it down. And like, there it is. And like, but that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> one of the difficulties is like, I feel like the biggest one is if they are pressing down hard enough, then their fingers kind of like, like, uh, like slant almost where they're moving into separate frets or it just doesn't really like sound right. And so what I try and do with my students is I'll call the frets like houses and I'll be like, well, it's COVID. So you got to make sure that your <laughs> finger before you strum it is in your house. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Was it, how, how old are the kiddos you're working with? Um, I'm working with three kids right now and mm -hmm. they're between the ages of like seven and 12. So. Okay. All right. Well, that makes, I don't know, for you to teach them that, like, that's so much more relatable. Like, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a good way I love do. doing that. <laughs> that's so cool. What I started doing was I got a little money counting finger caps or, you know, paper caps. And yeah. I put them on a uh, student's fingers so they can push down harder. But then it, like. Oh, that's so smart. It doesn't, it, it you can't slide. You know, you, you really are kind of yeah. detrimental in the long run. But it works for the for the class. Wow, that's cool. Like, what's been kind of a takeaway from like showing uh, showing kids that like and how to play? Like, does bring back what you found difficult? Is it kind of opening I... new ways to think about it? Like, now it's a uh, my my scales are socially distanced, or <laughs> I just I love the the feeling of being naive when it comes to music because to me I don't think there's any better feeling than learning a new instrument because all of like the confusion and all of the struggle and all of the like holy shit I just need to like figure this yeah. out is such like a cool feeling to experience and I love it when kids are like holy shit I just need to figure this out because I'm like I know you can do it like I did it too <laughs> That's at the aha moment. They're like, oh, it clicks. Yeah, really I just, cool. I, I get so excited when it does click for them because I'm like, yes, like, you got this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I relate to that 100%. Like, talking with someone like you at your age and what you're doing is, like, super inspirational for me because I'm like, that's what I want my students to do. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work like that. It, it, it's it's all rare rare people rare students and rare rare musicians like you especially at your age really commit to the bit because a lot of it is is two percent is the fun part you know what i mean two percent mm -hmm. is playing the rest of it is like 
looking up weird podcasts to try to figure stuff out and like <laughs> learning theory and trying to like teach children how do i do that like just like all youtube videos <laughs> right right but youtube's such a cool tool for it what have you like uh yeah. what are some that you you've used uh you have used youtube wise um, I think one of the coolest things, so I recently have picked up a little bit of ukulele. Okay. And I think one of like the coolest things that I will do is there's videos of people on YouTube who will be like, if you know these six ukulele chords, you can play these 80 songs. And <laughs> so watching them do it, I'm yeah. like, all right, now I got at least 80 songs I'll know how to play. That's awesome. Was it, is, was uke the first or was bass the first after guitar? Um, Uke was the first Dr. Guitar, this... but guitar is still my first love, and I probably will never bust out my ukulele at a live show. <laughs> That's all. The same for me. I had a neighbor who, um, who, like, their whole family was really in the ukuleles before, like, Uke's kind of, like, where you can get them at Guitar Center. They would, like, yeah, special order them, and they're like, this one's got special headstocks, and, like, this is a, a weird, yeah. <laughs> it, w- it was really cool, and, like, I was like, oh, it's, like, I can do this. A C chord is really easy on this. Like, a C chord is one finger? Right. This is sick. Yeah, I can play any instrument now. That's the confidence builder. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really interesting with that high string. Like, it, it throws everything off. Like, as far the as, like... The uh, ukulele is tuned is so right. much different than It's super... And it's no matter what you do, it sounds light, like, and nice, even though... If, playing minor and diminished stuff trying to make it sound yeah (laughs) it all sounds so like airy right right and but it's cool because that's kind of like how the other string instruments become available so what's the Mm -hmm. difference between banjo now well it's kind of easy the chords are all one block type (laughs) thing but the difference is in the picking technique or in like it it's it starts to become that kind of uh disconnect that guitar was for you earlier right is all these different instruments uh, and then did you go to bass from that or did you jump to the yeah, piano? Yeah, and I, I went from guitar to ukulele to piano to bass. And bass, I just started just started messing around on that like a few months ago. So I'm definitely like not anywhere close to being an expert. But again, it's just that feeling of learning a new instrument and like that like, holy shit, I need to figure this out. And right. I just love it. I definitely relate to that. The like now I have this way to express myself in a weird and like it's cool when it's relative. Like, yeah, I can I can do this because I I can do that with guitar. So I just mm-hmm. need to figure out the niche things on on bass or like uh, uh, balalaika or bazooki or like w- uh, there's a whole bunch of other rad string instruments that are like all the ones we've been talking about. And like, yeah, and if you're hooked on that feeling now, you're gonna be like super into that stuff down the line you're gonna be like oh sweet mandolin's dope too like (laughs) but they each got their own little thing that makes them unique and it's really cool just to be able to pick something up and like express with it a little bit or make it say something yeah yeah and that's really all music is is expressing your feelings through a sound and I love that the instruments that I play and especially guitar has been an outlet for that that's awesome. When did it like, when did it first become like that outlet? When was the like, when did you have a statement in your mind and were was able to express it through music and have like that emotional integrity and payoff 
from, from I, doing that? I think when I started writing full songs was okay. when it started to become less of just like a hobby and more of like a way that I live and a way that I express myself and an art form. And songwriting has always been like the most important thing and the lyrics have always been the most important piece of a song to me and what I hear first. And so when I was able to start writing structured songs with a bridge and verses and a chorus, it was a way to express myself in a way that was structured and in a way that was able to be enjoyed by other people, not just me. And so the fact that something that I created was enjoyable for other people to listen to, too, was like an addicting feeling. Right. So what do you have an outlet for for practicing, like being creative and writing? Like, is there a a, because like it's equally as challenging as like learning scales and chords but even more so because that's what people are like, well, I don't know if I feel that. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, I love writing. I love writing poetry. I love writing songs. And I also like reading because I've always been like a super big reader. Mm-hmm. And so to expand, vocab- like, to expand my own vocabulary and the words that I can use in my own songs is so cool and so awesome because it's just like finding out new ways to express what your feelings and making it more specific and more personal and more intimate with every song. Right. No, that's beautiful. <laughs> so does that mean like you're, you're the homie that's like, Hey, I had an arduous day and everyone's like, okay, I get it. You're working on stuff. <laughs> like, um, you... I try keep it mostly to the songs, but I okay. have that, like the grammar bitch in the friend group. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like, what have you been reading? Like, what are, like, uh, some novels that really kind of sparked your interest in, like, and just changed your, like, kind of outlook on stuff? We Were Liars by E. Lockhart is a super incredible book. I feel the books that I read for, like, my vocabulary and to improve my songwriting are very different from the books that I read, like, for fun. Because, like, if I were to just, like, sit down and read a book, like, before I go to bed, it's probably like a James Patterson novel or yeah. like Agatha Christie novel. But in terms of books that I've read that I feel like improve my writing, um, I like reading a lot of poetry and I like reading a lot of like older books, I feel okay. like. Like what are some poets you've been getting into? Um, I think the first poet that I read that, like, I truly was like, oh, my God, this shit is so gas, <laughs> was Rupi Carr. I read okay. Milk and Honey in, like... Milk and Honey? In probably, like, eighth grade, and that's okay. what really got me into poetry. Okay. Yeah, she's definitely got, like, a... It's a new... It's kind of like a new wave of poetry, her stuff. It's really interesting yeah. and visually... Visu- like, she, visually expressive. Like... You know what I mean? Because she does the... The uh, the, um, the line drawings. The line drawings. Thank you. I was like, I don't know how to describe that. I was going <laughs> to say sketch drawings, but it is very liney. Like, it, it doesn't end. It just it becomes a thing. But she does a, a fantastic job of expressing, like, what is being... What you're reading with that. And, like, I don't, I don't know if it makes me think of a, a Silverstein, the guy who did the Falling Up. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I'm pretty sure he wrote The Giving Tree, too. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. 
Um, but like that was very. I don't know if he did all the. I don't know if he did all the animation or all the sketches with that. But like that just totally put another aspect to what he was saying. Like, and it, it not too much. Not too much poetry is that. It's very heady, and like you read into the words, and you have that in your mind. But mm-hmm. a vague sketch like that kind of goes super far. But that's cool. Yeah. Who else have you been digging into? Um, poetry wise, I recently read The Evolution of a Girl and that was really good. Um, I've I feel like one of the things that that inspired me to do and that a lot of the current day and like modern poetry is tapping into femininity and tapping into current day issues in my songs, which isn't something that before like this year, even the past couple months that I really did. Mm, okay. That's awesome. Like, it, it's interesting, like, uh, because, like, there's certain, like, there's certain, like, songs that are, like, kind of topical that, like, expire, you know, that are kind of, like, let us a few decades down the line. But then mm-hmm. there's some that aren't. And, like, uh, I, 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 I don't know what, what that is, like, but, like, if you look at, like, a, a Dylan tune or something, he can be singing about a protest, but still that, or uh, Joan Baez or someone like that could be singing about a specific thing but somehow that carries over and i think yeah, that it, that's like a that's like an expert form of that of that taking all these new issues and expanding upon the feelings because i don't think the feelings ever differ for like yeah and i feel like every good song no matter what the subject line is or no matter what the song is about every truly good song and every song that is well written taps back to the core of emotion because that is something that can create a timeless song right i wonder what's like a diving into it like what as far as like songwriting for you who are like the who are the few like that kind of started because the poetry and all that's interesting as it is was there like a this maybe maybe I should rephrase it this way? Was there a connection between taking the lyrical stuff that you've been enjoying, like reading and poetry, and finding a way to put it to music? Was there like a an individual or someone that showed you, oh, this is possible, or was it kind of like I had these two interests and eventually like I was like, oh, I can put them together. Um, I think I kind of figured out on my own that. I could put them together, but I think the thing that humped me a lot was seeing older musicians because I think um, like Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks and the Beatles and the Doors were bands that when I got a little bit older, I started listening to more and I just thought it was like the most badass thing ever <laughs> that I could still enjoy the music that my like grandma listened to. And I think that once I kind of discovered that those songs were so amazing and so awesome because it was like poetic and because it was it tapped into that emotion inspired me to start using that poetry that I always read and those books that I always read growing up into songwriting that was more developed okay that's interesting because like with the Beatles and the doors, like doors, especially as far as poetic, like delivery, like that's a very like lyrically, that's where this that's driven. But the Beatles do it in a much more kind of formulaic way for their early career. Um, yeah, yeah. In but, their early career, I don't think 
I mean, I'm not hating on like Rubber Soul because right. <laughs> like I love their earlier albums, but I think towards the beginning they were doing it in a very like this song will do well because it's fun and it's catchy right. and that is an important thing to put into account in songwriting because people are writing music that people will enjoy but once you get to their like later stuff like abbey road and and the white album i think the later stuff was when they kind of started to put words together in a way that was definitely more poetic and definitely tapping into a deeper side i agree with that I, th I think it's interesting because like a lot of artists seem to do that. They seem to start off with like kind of like, oh, look at look at we're cool. We have songs you enjoy. Then like, look at my feelings. Oh, I'm yeah. deep. <laughs> I'm an artist. <laughs> and those songs are always the ones I like the most. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's it's interesting, like because like that you gotta to get the public uh, attention. It's like you gotta have the that I'm hold hands, you know. Before, yeah. like, uh, she never gives me money, like, is even, like, remotely considered. Or, like, um, happiness is a warm gun compared to, like, uh, uh, ticket the ride, and, like. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I never wanted to be an artist that only put out earworms. And so, for my first single, I, like, took a big chance and released, like, a super depressing song. But I'm glad I did that for both my career and for my artistry. So, like, when did you start? You said you started performing. We'll put a pin in that because I got questions about that. But um, you said your first performance was at 11. What was that? <laughs> Where was that? Um, it was at Katamu Coffee. Okay. And I. it was, like, a couple of days before my 12th birthday. And they used to do open mics. And I saw a lot of local performers who are still doing music um, perform there. And I watched a couple shows when I was younger because I would go in and just get, like, milkshakes with my friends and we would watch music but i realized like oh i play guitar i'm not great at it but some of the people i'm watching aren't that great like i could do that <laughs> it's awesome but that's the accomplishable thing is a big thing being able to see that step like oh they're not playing love, their f chord right? i love the comfort of open mics because as fun as gigs are and as much as i love playing gigs open mics are just like I feel like the best way to try out new things and to experiment. I it's such like a no risk kind yeah. of. Now I agree with that a hundred percent. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but like that I've met all my best friends through open mics. Open mics have definitely changed my life. They're I mean, awesome. Like, they are. <laughs> and there, there's a thing like the thing, the magic that, uh, that coffee shop now holds compared to for you and your set group of friends that would go up there and play is life-changing compared to everyone else who walks in and gets their latte and is out. Oh my gosh. So they recently closed, I think like two or three years ago. And when they did, I was like heartbroken. I cried for hours. Oh. <laughs> it was so sad. But I just, I think with Columbus, one of the amazing things about the music scene is that, that coffee shop was so special to me, but there's a million other coffee shops that are so special to other people too. Right. Did you ever play a, was it Atomic coffee? Um, I have it. No. Okay. What about a Kerouac cafe? 
I have big that's starting to set up there. I'm like in work, like I'm talking to their booking right now. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. That's a. Are you so? Where in Columbus are you? Are you because that's like the college town, right? Where Kerouac's at. Um, I'm right outside of the city. I live in Hilliard, which is like a suburb. Oh, okay, okay. Because like uh, I've played a handful of gigs in Columbus, but it's usually on High Street. Like yeah, I've played yeah. Kerouac a few times. The space, space bar. Um, I've and uh, Scarlet and Scarlet and Gray, Scarlet something. <laughs> I can't remember. It's just it's all the same. <laughs> bon Jovi and my way through life. Um, but no, like I, I just I can't. Maybe it's not the same thing. Scarlet and Gray, I think it was. Or Scarlet and Silver. It was like a college bar, and they would have like bands in there. But love um, a college bar. <laughs> say what? Love a good college bar. They're weird. It's a weird venue. Like it's different because like open mics, right? Like when you go there, everyone's kind of like, and at a good open mic night, I should say this. Everyone's there like supporting like whoever's on stage somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that that makes or breaks the environment that that makes the scene is how the mic nights are handled. Like, if it's if it's competitive, no one's going to really hang around or become friends or, like, it, it, separate and do their own projects and come back and share it. It starts to be like it's, a... Yeah. It's difficult when open mics turn into a competition because they're supposed to be more of, like, a community thing and more of a trial and error kind of space. Right. Do you ever, um, what was the first song you did at that mic night? Was it an original? Was it a cover? Um, it was a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> nice. T-Swift? Um, I, for- I think it was, I know it was off the Red album, but I think it was Treacherous. Okay. I was still kind of getting the, like the hang of strumming at the time because I was like I was still pretty fresh out of learning guitar. And so I remember like the entire song, like I didn't strum at all. I just like held out every chord. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a way to do it. You know what I mean? Like there's so many like, uh, like, uh, hi- like kind of hipster versions of like 80 songs where they do just that instead of yeah. uh, I ran like the uh, strum to the like eighth note pattern and it's be like one chord whole notes, you know, <laughs> and it slows down and it makes a whole different feel to it. And like, uh, but that's, that's a beautiful way to start. And Taylor Swift songs have a lot of one. The melodies are very like obtainable. Oh my gosh, she's like my probably one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Definitely one of my favorite musicians of all time. Yeah, was she kind of like a one that was like, oh, I can do this? Yes, I have loved Taylor Swift since I was like, I think I watched her first music video when I was four or five. <laughs> So I've always just been like, when I found out that she convinced her parents to move to Nashville, like I tried to convince my parents to move to Nashville when I was like 10. <laughs> they wouldn't do so, it? <laughs> no. Ah. So it was, it was really cool because, because I started watching her so young, I feel like I've gotten the chance to kind of evolve with her musically and like, just like growing up. But that makes sense. I mean, like, it's now there's someone showing you it's possible. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, and she was kind of the first in a lot of ways like that because she, like, wrote her own songs and, like, mm-hmm. and the first to kind of not 
be a for not 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 change. You know what I mean? She like adapts to like whatever's kind of happening in a way that's yeah. uniquely a a Swiftian, if I may uh, use the correct terminology. <laughs> uh, but you know, what I mean, like like if you compare like uh, some of the early like love story to like even shake it off or later, like I'm trying to think of what's the um, calm down the new one uh not the new one oh you need yeah, to yeah, yeah you know the kids are listening to the new taylor swift but uh <laughs> i think it's calmed down i was listening to that one i'm like this is like completely it's it hits completely different and instrumentation is completely different and yeah like, and with the newest albums folklore and evermore right i remember listening right. to those and being like oh my gosh, this is my goal now, is to, like, make an album better than this album. <laughs> I was like, this is, like, the peak of music for me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a, And, like, but having it and seeing it, that seeing that it's possible. And, like, yeah. seeing, having that trajectory with it. Because I noticed with your recordings, like, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Saturn is very, um, very, like, not just guitar. It's a very, um, uh, produced and it's got like a it's like it's layered in a way that's not like uh it, not just acoustic instrumentation but in a way that doesn't diminish the acoustic instrumentation that's on it yeah it doesn't yeah. bury it but it brings it up and like it's it's really well done and like the when when was when did that one come out um that one came out after fifth goodbye Oh my gosh, I'm like missing the release states of my own songs. But I think it came out in March. Okay, okay. So it's all, all it's all recent. All right, that makes sense. Um, yeah. All right, yeah, because like get, it's it's different. What was the first one? Because like the fifth goodbye, fifth goodbye. That was your first one? Okay, that was very yeah. like very singer songwritery. And like you have a video to that one too. Yeah, yeah. Fifth goodbye was. I know we said to put a pin in it, but right. Let's <laughs> unpin it. Was, was the was the first song I ever released. It was the first song I ever recorded in like a big kid studio. Yeah. Um, what was that? What was the big kid studio? I was recording with Avant Music Group. Okay. And what did that look with, like? Was that like you took the song and then like, you know, let's put some bass on it? Or was it like, were they kind of like, what if you, was there like, were they kind of directing how to like better it? Were they just like tracking you and you're like, yeah, it's cool? Or like, were you directing um, them? What did that look like? We started off doing skeletons. And so it was just me and my guitar and the song. And I played the guitar part that I wrote. And then from there, I talked with the producer, Gino, and we cleaned up the guitar part. So we adjusted the strumming a little bit and we like, we were like, let's put an A there instead of an A minor or whatever. Okay. So we cleaned it up a little bit, and then we tracked the guitar. And I was like, I think we should add, or just based off of music that like I had heard and that I was enjoying at the time, I was like, I think we should add some bass, and I think I want a little bit of this. And so he added that, and then from there, he kind of was able to take a little bit of creative freedom with it. And it was a really incredible process to see these songs that I had spent essentially my whole life writing and that I had only ever heard on me my own voice and my acoustic guitar to be produced into a song that I could hear on a CD or on the radio or on Spotify was 
so crazy and so eye-opening and so cathartic. No, it is pretty amazing to see, especially when someone else you don't know. It's like, hey, I care that this is like put out, you know, or like I, I care mm-hmm. that this sounds the best that it can. Yeah, yeah. And, and like it's it one you have that camaraderie of like, oh, you care about my feelings? Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and all the producers that I've worked with so far in my career have just been incredible at like taking the vision that I have for my song and turning it into like a real full fledged piece of art. Right. Did you do it to a click? Did you guys have to click it out with the guitar? Um, doing the click track, I've uh-huh. always been like super, it's, it's very dependent per song on if I'll okay. do, like record my vocals to a click. I mean, just like even guitar to a click, like the yeah, click, the click yeah. sucks. Like it was, it was the first time I had ever, like, obviously, so as a kid, I was in, like, choir and show choir and all that, but it was the first time I had ever sung to, like, a metronome when mm. singing, like, individually, okay. which I was I was thankful for my choir and musical theater experience, but it was, it was like, one of those hurdles, for sure, to kind of jump across. It's one of the weirdest things because, like, it's so like uh and it might be just studio time the red the red lights glowing everything you say everyone's listening to like this is yeah. nerve-wracking now like it might be that but also like it's it's weird that the click you know is this common thing that it's just overlooked with most musicians like oh you just do that you follow that thing and when you can't do it it's like oh i'm so awful i'll never be you know what i mean you just start mentally having like the biggest breakdown that you're like i can't be a good musician because i i keep missing the one and on this riff here like or whatever it is and with like vocals my especially with produ- just vocals yeah yeah my current producer brian ream we both are super big perfectionists when it comes to vocals. So if something sounds absolutely phenomenal, but it's just like a half beat away from that click and we have to trap it, it's the most frustrating thing ever. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where like that's what people hear. Like when they, if you're not into music at all, the first two things you hear is like the drums and the, or the vocals and the drums. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so being a perfectionist at it, I think it's very uh, appropriate thing to worry about because like as a singer songwriter, it's kind of like the, the thing that's uniquely yours, no matter what, it's going to be your voice and like mm-hmm. definitely the thing to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think in everyday life, I'm definitely a perfectionist. Yeah. And I even more so oh, no. in music I am. How's it how's it manifest in, in everyday life? Like when I think one of the biggest things is that I'm such a perfectionist every single day with schoolwork and like I won't submit an assignment unless it is like absolutely how I want this assignment to look mm-hmm. and to be. And with working out, I wanna like do that every single day at the same exact time. Okay. And I think music is I'm definitely a perfectionist with that too in the studio but I think songwriting is almost an escape from the perfectionism because the words like flow out of me and the lyrics flow out of me so easily that 
it's almost like something else kind of takes over and I don't have to worry about the anxiety or the perfectionism and I can just kind of write what I feel like I need to write at the moment and anything imperfect like imperfect that's an imperfection in that I would have seen is bypassed by I actually kind of like that in this song or whatever and I think most people would assume that songwriting would be another thing that I would be like this needs to be absolutely this way and absolutely perfect but songwriting is almost the only thing that I'm not like that with interesting do you so like with a, have you always been like a, the structurally comfortable, like growing up? Has that been a um, thing? I used to write songs that were just like, oh my gosh, it probably took me until I was like 11 or 12 to be able to write songs that had like a specific like verse and bridge and chorus. And it took me a while to even like figure out what those were. I just meant like kind of like even just throughout the day, like oh, I go to school here, I do this there. Like, do you find comfort with, like, structure and stuff like that? Um, I, I don't know. I feel like when everything is completely structured, there's almost, like, a sense of, like, boredom or, okay. like, I'm not living freely enough or I'm not, I, I, like, I talk a lot about in the new album about the feeling of, like, wasting youth or wasting time. And so... I think I like to have a certain amount of structure, but there comes a time when I just need to be able to like do whatever the fuck I want that day. And yeah. Play far in the middle of nowhere or whatever I'm, I'm just feeling. So, okay. So it's not necessarily like a comfort in structure, but it's like a comfort in like maximum like usage of this space or this time. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I totally relate to that. Like, uh, existential dread that <laughs> you're only going to yeah. be this old for this year at this time and like how many songs did you write did you why didn't you like I, I totally relate to that 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 mindset of like being like uh, uh convinced that I'm productive productively manic yeah, yeah <laughs> I've still been sure. living in that <laughs> uh, it's so. like the firm for it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Like, and it's interesting with music because, like, there's this kind of like, as long as I'm working on the thing, it doesn't matter if I don't get anything done. I'm at least I'm glad I I spent six hours just working on it. You know, there's yeah. like this kind of like illusion that time isn't being um dwindled away, but rather it's it's used in a productive um state or productive Which... flow. Which is really nice to make music a career because it gives me the opportunity to play guitar for five hours and right. then say, well, that was practice for the next live performance. <laughs> <laughs> or that that'll that new chord that I learned will sound great on this song or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. And that's the cool thing. Like Once you learn, you have like a thing you can constantly be obsessed with weird niche things and pay it off yeah. later. Like, ah, oh, you know. Uh, Bjork uses nothing but tritones in the song. This is so sweet. What's that? And like, now I want to use try something that you can never stop learning with, right? Which is fun and so cool, and why so many people are like addicted to it. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's like an endless? I agree with you, but I think everyone's got like a different like perspective of why it is. I think there's so many things that go into 
a song or a piece of art where if you were taking a visual art like painting, it's your paintbrush and your pencil and your paper. But if it's with a guitar, there's, you know, there's six strings that can unlock endless sounds, endless, endless emotions being expressed through those sounds, different chord progressions, different strumming patterns. And when it's something like songwriting, there's a million words that you can pick and choose from. And so when the possibilities are so endless, you're never going to get bored of it. Right. It's interesting. It's like there's a limited, you know, there's limited notes, right? And there's limited words in our language at one point. But with even within like a handful of like, okay, you have uh, 12 notes, eight of them are going to kind of be accepted in this key. Um, there's so much that can be done and so many other little things that factor and divine whole, uh, define like whole cultures. Like yeah. A, a, a specific rhythm can be someone's whole like culture into some degree or, or a part of it, I should say, not a whole, you know, but like uh, it's, it's fascinating how like, little things could just a a small amount of options could be a whole menu. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I greatly prefer playing a 12 string guitar over a six string guitar for that same reason. It just, it's a fuller sound and it gives uh, obviously, but it also gives you six more chances to mess around with it. Definitely. Oh, that's mostly about, uh, what my uh, my band uses is I use a lot of twelve strings and open tunes mm-hmm. and stuff, um, but that's cool. That's cool. Um, so they kind of like a kind of shift it back to like we went through some narrative here, <laughs> but, but I find it fascinating that like um, even that this age, you know, I mean, like you're one. It, it's quite imp- impressive what you're doing. Not a lot of people in their thirties. Or later, or forties, or like I'm sure, like even your your dad could uh, attest for it. Like, write their own songs and commit to the bit, and like, because it it takes a a certain amount of dedication to do to do that. Like, it is the two percent, and it really is like the playing the, your song for two minutes in front of people. Like that payoff has to be like that impactful, which it sounds like it, which it you describe it as being for yourself, but like. Did you notice, like, at a younger age, like, other, and you said it now with, like, school, but has it always been that way with school? Were you always dedicated in, like, or not dedicated, um, uh, disciplined in what you do? Or did you notice, like, that kind of, ha- like, came after, like, being musically engaged? I think the biggest thing for me is that I have to love what I do. Mm-hmm. And so in elementary school and I guess elementary school was really the only time I wasn't playing guitar. But when I was younger, you know, like school is, is what you do. Like you, you wake up and you go and, and then you go home for the day and you hang out with like your parents when you're that young. And I think I never felt like a passion for education or a passion for going to school until I started to pick up music because when I found out that there was something that I love to do and that I never got bored of, or I never really got like so frustrated with and that I just wanted to like quit. And 
I think when I discovered that was when I kind of, I kind of almost stopped being as disciplined with school. And now I still, I mean, my first day of school is tomorrow. So first day <laughs> for you. But I think high school like has, has been a struggle because as much as I want to be as disciplined with my schoolwork as I am with my music, I just don't have a love for algebra and <laughs> yeah. bio as I have for going home every day and, and like playing music. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just, it's interesting because like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of payoff as far as like learning how to be disciplined musically, those, that skill set, like this constant like self-learning helps you in so many other aspects. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it's learning how to study like uh, trigonometry or or, or or World War II history, like the same like things you use to like kind of help yourself engage musically, those skill sets kind of pay off in both ends. And like, it's interesting cause like it's that, like right now that you're trying to develop this thing, which is what I want to do out of school, which is a big thing for most people. And what's cool about your situation is you know what it is you know what yeah I mean? you know what you want to do now it's like how do you do it and there's no right or wrong way which is so frustrating to hear it's super frustrating because i mean normally let's say somebody like doesn't know what they want to do well then you do the same thing as everybody else you graduate high school and you go into college and then right. you just say undecided instead of whatever specific major so I think especially in my specific area of Columbus with Hilliard and like those suburbs, there's a very big emphasis on you graduate high school and then you go to college. And from there, you can choose if you want to do your master's or if you want to start working. And then from there, you're living your adult life. You get married and you have kids. And that's the path that everybody around me has followed. That's the path that the kids my age want to follow and so to not be following that path there's almost a sense of rebellion with it right right it's what well, the kind of what i wanted to unplug uh, unpin from earlier is you said you were going to go to community college which is yeah. a super badass move like that is like as far as like doing music full-time and still kind of engaging in this because you seem to be very well aware of like the benefits of a higher education or just the continuation of education like which is i don't know maybe higher sounds like so like down putting anyone who's not college <laughs> yeah. you know I, mean, I don't i don't mean to put it like that but like um i think that's the way to do it it's so much more affordable and you meet and like it, it's cool like oh i gotta take a, a stats class whatever I'll get through it and you can like still focus on your thing and like it's you meet people along the way and like it's way more for and you're still knocking it out as opposed to going to like um OU or whatever for like marketing and being like I hate doing accounting <laughs> like yeah yeah I know and I think I I don't think that I would learn as much about music in a university setting as I am doing it and traveling for music and meeting new people and and working in a studio and so instead of just being like well I'm there's nothing more for me to learn like I'm all good I think yeah. instead I'd rather focus getting that higher education on things that can further my career with marketing right no I think that's really smart 
And like I went to a I went to Tri C up here in um uh Cleveland and that which is a community college and then I went to Cleveland State eventually, but like went there first to knock it out and like it's it's comforting to know that hey you can fail algebra again if you really you know need to yeah (laughs) like and it's not make or break the bank and like and like just like you said there's like two it's there's like two aspects of like music and like i don't i don't think one's right or wrong and like but like there's the academic route right like and it sounds like you've had a fair amount of like uh experience doing that with like musicals and choir and then yeah. there's the street route kind of or like the the going out and the Mike Knight route, the performing the DIY route, let's call it that way. The DIY yeah. route and like that's a whole nother skill set and they don't necessarily overlap, but knowing stuff on each end makes the the overlap happen and better. Like Yeah. was a bef- were you playing guitar before um call it, or before a choir or a or a um a theater? I was, yeah, okay. and I think with musical theater, I can, I can pretty confidently say that it helped me a lot in my music, but it didn't help me at all in my career. Um, I think with musical theater, it was able to help me in in knowing how to hit specific notes and knowing how to kind of structure my voice and strengthen my voice. But in terms of music where you have to figure out how to play gigs and how to get interviews and how to appear on this or how to, how to do this or how to advertise this musical theater didn't really help at all. Right. Well, I mean, it's set up, right? You go there, you do the bit. And it's the people that are going to come are going to come for that. Like, yeah, yeah. But I imagine also there's kind of like the as far as like I didn't I didn't do anything like that in school. Like, I wish I did stuff like that. I did the I did the DIY route. I did what you're you're basically doing now. Like in in, in middle school through high school, I was going to bars and playing, playing, sitting in with bands and like trying to sing and play in public and like do that whole bit. But like. I didn't do the academic route, which is what I do now. I'm a teacher, <laughs> but I didn't do yeah. that for myself, um, at least then. And like, but I can see like how like maybe theater skills, like being able to like put it on, like put on the face when maybe you're tired, and like get in that headspace of like, well, it's a show. You know, what I mean, I can see maybe yeah, some skill sets yeah. like that paying off. I think, I think, music and acting, even now in my career are are very closely knitted and very closely tied because musical theater definitely taught me how to how to a lot of I I guess a lot about like showmanship yeah and I think it's helped me a lot especially doing longer gigs now because I'm used to being on stage for three hours and Now it's just being on stage for three hours, but actually getting to be myself instead of a character. Okay. Yeah, that is a big difference. Like doing the acoustic gigs, like, so you're doing some bar gigs and stuff where they're like, yeah, you know, from eight to 10, like. Yeah. Do you yeah. like those? I, I, my, my perfect set length for me is like one hour. Exactly. <laughs> I a hundred percent relate to that. And like, that's why I asked because like. Uh, the four... An hour set 
just like my favorite thing in the world. If somebody's like, come play from nine to 10 or from eight to nine, I'll be like, I do not care what your venue is. I will do it. <laughs> right, right. Because if not, then you got to like, and depending where it is, if it's a bar then like, you know, you start to become background noise and that's part of the, that's part of the thing. Not everyone's there for, for the performance. They're there to be there. And like, it's a hard mindset yeah. to get in because you spend so long trying to like learn how to be entertaining. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. Like, how long did it take the, to get the three-hour set together? I guess if you're doing 80 songs on the uke, it should be easy. Or, you know what I mean, okay. like... <laughs> <laughs> um, I think building my way up was, like, the best thing that I kind of, like, figured out how to do. So I would start with, like, you know, two or three songs in an open mic, and then from there I would play a 30-minute set somewhere. And then from there I would play the hour. And I think figuring out so what I did to kind of figure out what songs to play for a two or three hour long set was I would take my hour long set and then I would see the way I positioned it where it was like slower and then upbeat and then upbeat and then slower kind of thing and I looked at my and then I would find songs that kind of fit in with that so I would just lengthen the amount of upbeat songs and then lengthen the amount of sadder songs and so and then from there, if I saw that there were like too many sad songs, I would switch it around or whatever. So formulating a set list helped okay. me out a lot. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Make making the peaks and valleys of a, of um, of what the show is gonna be. And like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good strategy for it. What is success as far as what are you looking at for? How do how you how would you define success now? Like. You, we were kind of talking, uh, and you mentioned career and what you're focused on. If you had to define success as of now, what, what what's that look like? I think success for me looks like people not just knowing who I am or not just knowing my music, but knowing my lyrics and being able to relate to those. And to touch even one person is incredible, but... I think success to me is being able to touch a million people with the way that I structure my songs and with the way that I write. And I think if if I can release songs that can fit every person's mood for whatever mood that they're in, and to just know that there's somebody out there who has felt the same way that a stranger is feeling now would be the pinnacle of success. Okay. So being heard. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, sure. Well, in like, in like, I mean, you said it way, way more eloquently, but like, <laughs> but, uh, I think, well, I think that's what you're, you're doing a good job at that. <laughs> it definitely looks like you're making your way around and being heard. Like, so I think, you're well on your way to being the well on on your way to reaching that success that you're looking for. What? Okay, let's do a let's do a Columbus plug hole right now. Who are the <laughs> homies musically that have supported you and like kind of maybe were the first that heard you? Um, Frankie Soleil for sure. Um, she was one of the original people that used to play at Katama. She's a couple years older than me. Um. And I think we, uh, even though we weren't like close throughout all the years, we definitely got to see each other grow a lot with music. And I think that was really awesome. Um, 
Faye in Columbus is a really incredible artist and she's one of those people that I listen to her music and I'm like, holy shit, like that's, that's what I want to be doing. And so I think, um, I think there's a, a very strong community in Columbus of female musicians. And I think that's super cool to see as yeah. another young female musician. Right. Right. Well, the kind of like that, I think, well, to, I said I was going to not, or I was going to try to sell Cleveland, <laughs> but as far as the, have you played, you haven't played in Cleveland, right? No, I haven't. Yeah. Okay. Cleveland's got a super supportive music scene as far as like, as, at least as far as I'm concerned, because I'm looking at it with rose tinted glasses, like um, when the whole pandemic happened, there was a lot of benefit shows and people came out of the woodworks to keep the venues open, the people open the uh the the morale up i did a couple fundraisers for venues and we've raised over a few thousand dollars for different for different venues and different um different ga art galleries and like a that's whole sort yeah but that that's only incredible because of the people here and uh i did a fundraiser for a student to get a service dog and that was a nine thousand dollar dog and oh my we made it basically in a week and it was a week of streamed shows from other musicians reaching out and like so when it comes to different scenes around i i'd recommend this one because that's been my experience and like i uh like i was saying it might be rose tinted but the people here everyone's very supportive and cares a lot so that's my that's my sales pitch to cleveland you do what you need to do but <laughs> but that's awesome at the very least I'll, I'll play some shows there for sure <laughs> sounds good um, and one more, let's do a plug hole for what you got. Like, what do you got um, coming out? I know there's uh, the, the album, right? September 9th, I have a new song coming out. Okay, September 9th. Um, coming out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and actually, after we record this interview, I'll be, like, posting the cover for the first time. Oh, uh, you heard <laughs> it here. This will come out, like, probably a week or two later. But... <laughs> This is this is the pre or this is the pre uh, pre behind yeah. the scenes inside baseball. And then I have an album coming out in October, which is super exciting. It's my first like project of like a bunch of songs put together, so I'm really excited for that. That's awesome, awesome. Well, that's some stuff to look forward to. Any any shows other than the one in Cincinnati? Um, I don't have specific dates lined up quite yet. Okay. Um, but. Well, I'll shoot those your way when I get them. <laughs> okay, so with like that, okay, the aspect, like the mindset of like using social media to help promote your like your music, it, was there ever like I mean, the, and it's a new thing, right? The these digital outlets of of ways to like express and share what you're working on, um, and and like and there's no right or wrong way to do it, right? There's all these different aspects, and different people are better at it. And you can put more money into it. But, like, is there, like, a – do you feel like this helped more? Or do you think it kind of, like, as far as, like, digital uh, social media platforms, do you think it helps amplify messages more? Or do you think it kind of narrates and crafts different messages? Like, as far as, like – If I had the chance to go back in time and be a musician without the age of social media, I would. Um, I think with social media – I still, like, I don't know, like, I still don't have TikTok. I still don't really use Reels. I still, like, don't really post, like, the traditional amount that I guess, like, I should. And 
I think it it takes away a lot of privacy. Right. And I think it takes away a lot of authenticity. And and as much as I love social media for connecting, if I if I had the chance to advertise my music solely through flyers and through my business card and and through press kits, et cetera, et cetera. I think I, I would take it. Okay. It's interesting. Cause like I've talked a fair amount with like a uh, female musicians and like different media has been maybe more like hurtful than, than, uh, or maybe I shouldn't say female just with anyone, uh, different aspects of social media has been more detrimental as far as what they feel they can ask, uh, artistically express uh, as opposed to uh, uh, like amplifying their signal. And I just find it interesting. Like it's a, it's a really a kind of love hate thing. Like it works and it doesn't work, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's uh, like what you said was quite wise. And I think uh, it, you know, maybe we'd be all better <laughs> at formatting things on paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, what you're doing is awesome, and I think you're you're going to be that Taylor Swift for so many more people than you think you're probably even aware of. You know what oh I mean? You're going to be that figure, and, like, <laughs> just from, like, teaching kids your age and younger and seeing their friends and how they affect them in one room and to have someone like you, your age, doing what you're doing at the level that you're doing it and the, the de- dedication that you're doing it, it's it's going to start so many fires <laughs> in a good way yeah. and um, yeah. just keep it up. That's super badass. And uh, thanks right. for chatting with me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for hanging. Yeah, for sure. I'll see you.